Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Innocence Redeemed podcast. I'm your host, Ray Bergman, and for this week and next, I will be a guest on JPH Radio with Glenda Lomax on a two-part podcast series, possibly three, titled, What the Lord Has Showed Us About the End Times. Now, some of you might recall that I talked about the Lord pleading to the unbelieving in this late hour on the last podcast I released titled, Integrity versus Hypocrites and Mockers. And you essentially could consider this a continuation of that, albeit with more prophetic warnings, including a new one Glinda has received. Ladies and gentlemen, it is not time to be sitting on the fence, fantasizing that normal is returning. These are very serious messages, and the hour is later than most realize. I pray that you will take seriously to heart the message that is about to be presented here. And so, without any more delay, here is the message. Thank you so much for joining me today on Just Praise Him Radio. I'm your host, Glenda Lomax, and my job is to inspire you to a closer walk with Christ. Now here's the show. Hello, believers. Welcome to the Just Praise Him Radio program. I'm your host, Glenda Lomax, and the title of my message today is What the Lord has told us about these end times. This podcast will be in two parts, just so you know that up front. I have my very good friend Ray Bergman of Innocence Redeemed with me today. Thank you for taking the time to be on Just Praise Him Radio, Ray. Thanks, Glenda. It's good to be here. So we started talking one day about all the stuff that's coming in these end times, and we got the idea to do an end times podcast to share revelations on what the Lord has given us at different times. All of the words, dreams, and visions have one thing in common. The time is running out and the end is fast approaching. Last May, the Lord told us this. For over a week, I had kept hearing the words again and again in my spirit. This is not a drill. This is not a drill. This is not a drill. As they continued to come, I began to meditate on what they meant. And I know they mean, okay, this time it's the real thing. This is not a practice exercise, but I didn't think I truly understood until I told a friend of mine who has military experience about them. And my friend became very quiet and then began to explain that basically that's a term used when an actual attack comes and that it was especially favored by the Navy in wartime situations. And this is the rest of the word that he said. My children, an attack is indeed coming upon the nation of America. It will come without warning from the night sky. Nations who have long desired the many blessings I showered upon this nation have a plan. They see the weakened state of it as I've begun withholding my protection from it and know the time is ripe for attack. Many souls will be lost to the kingdom of darkness on this night. Be mindful to continually repent for any sins, for you live in perilous times. Be ready at all times to be called home to me. When this attack happens, all will go into chaos. Lawlessness will descend as it quickly becomes every man looking out for his own. This will not be a safe time for any of my people. Lock yourself in your houses as the Israelites did when the death angel passed over. Be very diligent to pray at all times, but pray continually in this time, for much will be occurring you cannot see. Seek me, and I will guide you on what to do. Do not allow fear to take over your mind now or then, but stand strong in me, knowing I will guide all you do. I want to remind you of a couple of scriptures before we go on. Hebrews 13, 6, 
so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. And Isaiah 41.10, fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Now is not the first time the Lord has talked about an attack coming. In early December 2008, I had a vision of a nuclear attack. I knew in the spirit I was in an American city, but I did not see the skyline, and I had no feeling about which one it was. When the vision opened up before me, I was looking at a skyscraper. I was taken in the spirit close to one of the windows up high, and inside I could see there was a party or celebration of some sort going on. It was a pretty tall skyscraper, probably at least 30 or 40 floors tall. I saw a woman with dark hair pinned up, dressed in a long blue sequin dress, and a man in a suit talking to her. Many people were around them at the party, and they were all talking. Then I looked up, and over the building, I saw a nuclear missile headed directly for the building and the city it was in. I don't know what city it was, but it was completely dark in the vision I saw, so it happened at night. It was obvious no one at the party had even the slightest clue the attack was coming. I know others who claim to be unbelievers who have had visions of nuclear attack on America for the last eight or nine years. The visions are always the same and they come like nightmares. I believe God is warning even his chosen who do not yet know they are chosen. In some of the visions, the attack is on a specific city and the vision is of an airplane falling from the sky. Another has repeated visions of multiple simultaneous attacks and complete devastation in numerous cities like three to six across America that happen almost at the same time. These seers have also seen the famine that is coming. It's interesting, Glenda, that yours took place, um, you know, at night, because um, the one I had in uh, November of 2020, it was during the day. But I've often had dreams where I'm not sure if that's the point of the message that's being conveyed. It doesn't necessarily matter where it is or what time it was. But I do believe it will likely come at night. But in the dream I had, I seemed to be on a sightseeing camping trip with people I didn't know. At the beginning, we were hiking in the mountains, and it was a sunny day. And everyone was having a good time, and they were getting along. I was trying to figure out where I was. And I was shown a map of the San Francisco area in California. And it was like it was pointed to that I was in San Jose or somewhere around there. Which, I mean, it's not that far. It's just on the other side of the bay um, when I looked at a map afterwards. And for the record, I've never even been to the San Fran area nor California. So I don't know how accurate the depiction of is of being in the mountains or if that was just to illustrate that when it, the attack occurs, it will be just like any other day or night where folks are doing normal activities. I mean, in your dream, you mentioned a party. And, you know, I digress. The next thing I remember was that I, I then seemed to be in an RV park of sorts. And I was outside the camping vehicle getting food ready to cook, or I was just moving things around, trying to get organized. I can't exactly recall what I was doing. And there was a clearing in the trees, and we were up high, and through the trees you could see the city of San Francisco in the distance, like the skyline. And I was just going, continuing to go on about doing whatever tasks I was doing, and all appeared to be peaceful when I suddenly saw a brief flash of light all around, which got my attention. I then looked toward the clearing, and when I saw this flash, I saw the fireball with a mushroom cloud rising. Now, I ran quickly to get someone who was watching TV in the RV and yelled that we needed to take shelter right now. 
and they didn't seem to be moving fast enough, no matter how much importance I put on it. I then began to run to find a place to shelter nearby in some sort of strengthened building. And I think it might have been like a, I don't know, like a place, like a locker room or a, or a restroom or some, of some sorts. I began to pray and everything went to darkness. I know the blast never came near me, but the person I warned, I don't know if they made it or not. That was the end of the dream. So my reflection is this. What does it say about those who won't be ready when sudden disaster strikes? What does it say about those who won't listen? What does it say about those thinking things are going to be normal and peaceful and then disaster strikes? Finally, what does it say about those who are spiritually asleep and won't be ready when these events begin to occur? You know, a few months before I had that dream, um, it was in the summer of 2020, I had a flash vision where I saw New York City and Washington, D.C. on fire, and they appeared to be in total ruins. And I saw people panicking and screaming, and then I saw evil men grinning and rising to power. In the vision, it did not look like it was from rioting, but war. Something else folks don't see being reported in our lying media is that in the last few years, other nations, quote-unquote, have been stockpiling grains, precious metals, and other supplies. And that right there should raise an eyebrow. They know an event is coming, and that event will bring famine and lack. Now, what do you suppose that is? Yeah, that's pretty telling. I know many people would like to ignore these warnings and just pretend things are normal and everything is going to be all right, but the Bible says, peace, peace, then sudden destruction. It is our time it is speaking of. The Lord told us there will be no more stays, so the destruction will not be held back, but will now roll out, is what that means. On that day or night when it begins, you will not know what to do other than panic and have a meltdown if you do not start now. And even then, it's going to be hard not to have a meltdown. In his mercy, the Lord sends watchmen like Ray and myself to see and report what we see, that others may also be warned. We can warn you, but if you choose to ignore the warning, it will be the worst when it happens because you won't know how to have God's mercy in that time. We're trying to help you because we care if you're going to be okay or not. Well, and in this season, we never know when any one episode could be our last podcast. It doesn't mean something happened to us, but we may not be able to, depending on what happens with communications, be getting online and posting new podcasts. Everything is already so uncertain. And we're certainly in the rumors of wars phase, Jesus spoke about. Or it could come down to Christian content being purged. We simply don't know when these events could take place. And maybe in some cases it won't matter. But don't assume that this content's going to be here forever. There's already been so many examples of censorship going on since at least 2018, if not even before. And this is why I've said before, and I still do, implore everyone to download and back up these shows, because once the cloud goes down, or these shows are removed, that's it. And what you don't already have is gone forever. You know, purchase a solar battery bank and get a cheap MP3 player so you can copy over an audio version of the Bible in addition to these shows and store those devices in a Faraday bag. They don't require internet, and it may be the only semblance of peace you have at some point in addition to your faith. Because in a situation like that, the noises, or the lack thereof, would not be easy for many to deal with. You no, know, I never thought about that. There's a lot of people that cannot handle not having TV on or something like that. I never thought about that. That is a really, really good point. You know, the noise or or lack thereof. That's really good. Yeah, well, it's it's like the silence. You know, silence is deafening. It's like silence is death. Yes, that's what it would feel. Yeah, you and know? when you're 
And when you're staring at destruction or you're hearing, you know, bombs or something going off in the distance, can you imagine how much more deafening it is when you know what's coming to you? Right. And there would be a lot of stillness and having the word to listen to would be a way to receive wisdom so you can pray on those words. I mean, obviously, you're going to want discernment, you know, to be needed to know when it's safe to listen, but it's better than having nothing at all. There was a movie called The Book of Eli years ago where the main character in post-apocalyptic America only had a Bible and an iPod, aside from his weapons of defense to fight off marauders and gangs. And he had the last Bible known to exist. You know, really, it's the denial and the pride that's going to cause many to be in an unfavorable situation in the future. I agree with that. And you said it all when you said, don't assume the content will be there forever. Because the truth is, they are censoring things now. And the Lord started telling me in back in about 2000 that the Bible will be outlawed in America. And all we're going to have left is what's written on our hearts. And don't assume that anybody's going to be around to teach you anything at that time. Because the Lord may take... Those who have been working hard, he's probably going to take them home ahead of this. The day is coming, and the Lord's showing me the Bible would not be allowed in America. I don't want to see that day, y'all. I'm not even kidding you. When Christianity is outlawed, all of our podcasts, all of our books, and all of our posts will be removed. You will have only what is in your heart or what is in your house. Think about that because it's going to make a big difference to you then when there is nothing around you but chaos. Where are you going to turn for help? Where are you going to turn for wisdom? The wisdom is in the Bible. That will be the time when all the judgments will be happening. There will be chaos and panic everywhere. And if you have no word to get you through that, I I don't even want to imagine. So it is advisable to download or save whatever you want to be able to refer to it in that time, even if you only have it for a little while. And I need to remind everyone, too, that the Lord told me personally and then told all of us, I think in a word, don't put it off. Don't put anything off in this time. Don't put anything off. Anything you think of, oh, I need to do that, do it. Don't wait because you're not guaranteed tomorrow. We're not guaranteed tonight. We're not guaranteed anything anymore except salvation if we're good with him. We need to remember Even in light of how soon Jesus is returning, our end personally could come before then. We live in a world full of wickedness, sin, and evil, and they're all around us. Right. And Glenda, on that note, you know, about not putting anything off, I would like to read a message you posted the other day, actually titled, Have You Listened? And for those of you who don't regularly follow uh, Glenda's blog, she posted this uh, just yesterday, January 7th, 2022. Why do you pursue and long for the love of men when my love for you is true? Why am I not enough for you? Be careful that you do not fall into a trap trying to steady yourself as your world begins its fall. I have long warned you of this time. Have you listened? Have you prepared your heart for what you will see? Have you set your mind to know disaster will be all around and grief will overtake you as you watch all you know being destroyed? As men's hearts fail and they lose their will to go on, Have you set your hearts to know me, that I may sustain you in this time? Or have you assumed, like so many, who do not try to know me at all, that I will answer your every prayer when you finally take the time from me? Have you assumed I will serve you in that time? Be not deceived, O prideful man. This time does not wait for you. If you reject me now, in that time, I will also reject you. 
And for verse reference, you know, we look at Proverbs 1, 22 through 33. How long, ye simple ones, will you love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. Because I have called, and ye refused. I have stretched out my hand, and no man regarded. But ye have set at naught all my counsel, and would none my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh as desolation, and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind. When distress and anguish cometh upon you. Then they shall call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. For that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. Therefore shall they eat the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. For the turning away of the simple shall slay them, and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. But whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from fear of evil. Boy, those scriptures really drive that point home. Um, I want to read a word that I got in 2015 on November 20th called the beginning of the end. We're going to be reading a lot of prophetic words uh, in this podcast, y'all, because we, we took a very careful selection of the words that I've gotten and that Ray has gotten along with different dreams and visions to give you a picture of what we believe the Lord is saying based on the trends that we see in the words. My children, the world as you have known it is indeed gone forever. A new normal will now establish itself whose increasing evil will greatly vex my people. This is the beginning of the end. So much of what is written in my word has already come to pass but more remains still. Be flexible to adapt to the new circumstances around you. Do not get caught up in panic or fear as evil increases, for I have already warned you this is so. If you will go quietly about your lives and about my business in the earth, all shall be well for you. Let the people of the world debate the things of the world. For my people, this should not be so, for I desire your focus would be on me and on doing my work in the earth in the time left. Share the gospel with all who will listen. Keep your focus on me and let peace reign in your hearts. Your redemption draweth nigh. Everyone should take note that this message was given to Glinda in 2015. Y'all, that was six years ago. Just to pose a question to everyone, how many times have you heard the term new normal being mentioned since the pandemic began? Uh, That is so true. The new normal this, the new normal that. I don't remember ever hearing that term before back then. It's because you didn't hear it back then. I didn't think so. Okay, I'm going to read a word from November 28, 2017 called A Great Price. The time is coming soon when my people will be hated for my name's sake as never before. Persecution shall arise as the time of Satan's wrath is unleashed on the world you are in. In this time, there shall be many martyrs whose reward shall be very great. I desire my people would not fear this time, but work while it is still day, aware it is coming. For no greater love has a man, but that he lay down his life for a friend. I'm not sure why the Lord referenced John 15, 13 there. Glenda, I have some insight on that, but I'll let you finish that message before uh, I start. I get into that. Because when you had told me about that, I was thinking about it, and I got something to say about that, but I'll give it a second. Good. Okay. My word declares that all that live godly shall suffer persecution. 
But this will be a new level of persecution that will cause the final separation to occur. Those who believe in me shall pay a great price, but those who believe not shall pay a greater one. Persecution purifies the faith of those who believe. Those who believe only a little must choose to believe more or forsake their belief for the sake of their comfort and safety. Those who forsake their belief are not worthy of me or my sacrifice and shall not enjoy an eternal life of rewards. As the time of Satan's wrath approaches, many events will take place. Now, y'all listen to this. He's saying as the time of this wrath approaches, of Satan's wrath, these events will happen so you can watch for these and know there are markers. The assassination of a president, plagues, including one that cannot be stopped, and a disaster of a magnitude unlike anything you have seen before that shall take many lives. And personally, I think that disaster of that magnitude is going to be what we call the warning shot judgment. Okay, moving on. In the spirit, when he was giving me this, I saw an explosion that looked like maybe a volcano. And I wondered about Yellowstone, by the way. But I don't know for sure. I wonder if that disaster is the warning shot judgment. The time of many sorrows is well underway already, as you know, but these things yet remain for those who are on the earth. Stay strong, my people, and feed your faith often. Set your mind to endure to the end, whatever that end shall be for you. For lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world, and your rewards in heaven shall be very great. Revelation 12.12 says, Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth. And of the sea, for the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. Glinda, you mentioned John 15, verse 13 earlier, saying you weren't sure why the Lord referenced it. But if you cross-reference John chapter 15, verse 13, you will see 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, which says, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So what this means is we're to preach the word out of love, despite the threats around us, including the threat of persecution for doing so, which we're already doing. For not doing so, then we are loving our earthly lives unto death. And let's face it, there's no reason to love this earth as it descends into darkness and chaos. And you know, this can also be seen in the meaning when we look at 1 John 2, verse 15 which says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. If we love the things of the world, then are we really loving others to the point where we risk laying down our lives for the sake of their salvation? Are they scared of what others may think of them? You know, we're coming to a point now where none of that's going to matter very soon. You know, 2 Timothy 4 tells us, Preach the word of God, be prepared, whether the time is favorable or not patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. And that includes testimony. You know, we need to be winning souls for the kingdom, not sitting in the corner waiting for Jesus to rescue us, because then, how will it be when he has blessed us greatly to do so, and we did nothing? We need to have conviction and ask ourselves how we're going to answer for that. We could also reference the parable of the talents, the one wicked servant who hid his and had no increase to give his master, which is referenced in Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. Amen. I cannot imagine meeting the Lord and having nothing to show for my time here. I would feel like a disgrace. Right. And you know, there are so many verses related to God's wrath or what he will allow in judgment. You know, I recently did a podcast titled Integrity versus Hypocrisy. 
And in that podcast, I quoted Proverbs 22 through 33, which I read earlier, but I feel Amos 8 is appropriate here, and I'd like to quote that if I may. And I believe some of this may apply to state leadership as well as those who deal wickedly with others. Oh, absolutely. So Amos chapter 8, then the sovereign Lord showed me another vision. In it, I saw a basket filled with ripe fruit. What do you see, Amos? He asked. I replied, a basket full of ripe fruit. Then the Lord said, like this fruit, Israel is ripe for punishment. I will not delay their punishment again. And by the way, anytime Israel is mentioned, you could just put America in there because we're walking down the same sins that they were, you know, back when. That's right. Yep. So verse three going on. In that day, the singing in the temple will turn to wailing. Dead bodies will be scattered everywhere. They will be carried out of the city in silence. I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken. Listen to this, you who rob the poor and trample down the needy. You can't wait for the Sabbath day to be over and the religious festivals to end so you can get back to cheating the helpless. You measure out grain with dishonest measures and cheat the buyer with dishonest scales. And you mix the grain you sell with chaff swept from the floor. Then you enslave poor people for one piece of silver or a pair of sandals. And, you know, real quick, just to put that into perspective, what do you see right now? You know, they're locking everything down, taking things away raising prices artificially on everything due to quote-unquote shortages, knowing full well people aren't going to be able to pay for it. So, you know, quite fitting. But going on. Now the Lord has sworn this oath by his own name, the pride of Israel. I will never forget the wicked things you have done. The earth will tremble for your deeds, and everyone will mourn. The ground will rise like the Nile River at flood time. It will heave up, then sink again. In that day, says the Sovereign Lord, I will make the sun go down at noon and darken the earth while it is day. I will turn your celebrations into times of mourning and your singing into weeping. You will wear funeral clothes and shave your head to show your sorrow, as if your only son had died. How very bitter that day will be. The time is surely coming, says the Sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread or water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. Remember what I said just a bit ago about content being restricted. Going on, Amos 8, verse 12. People will stagger from sea to sea and wander from border to border, searching for the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. Maybe it'll all be destroyed by then, because he's not going to allow it, because those are the people who are truly given over to judgment, and there won't be anything left. Beautiful girls and strong young men will grow faint in that day, thirsting for the Lord's word. And those who swear... By the shameful idols of Samaria, who take oaths in the name of the God of Dan and make vows in the name of the God of Beersheba, they will all fall down, never to rise again. That's the idols, in other words. So listeners, take what you will from Amos chapter 8, but all I know is that I wouldn't want to wait to find out who that's for. But the point is, I believe we already have discernment on who that's for. You know, Glinda, you mentioned something like an eruption from a volcano. And I had a dream uh, with what appeared to be hot coals raining down. This was a dream of meteors or hot coals or ashes and significant thunderstorms. This dream took place in the wee hours of the morning on uh, June 20th uh, last year, just before I woke. Now, some of this dream did not make sense to me, but I'm sharing it as it is and not adding anything to it or subtracting anything from it. In this dream... I appeared to be in an apartment complex somewhere. I don't know where I was because I've never seen it before. I was on the phone with my cousin, whom lives in Washington State. You know, she's gay. You know, she married a woman. And I have not had any contact with her for a number of years. 
I don't even know why I was talking to her in this dream. Um, I recall in this dream her asking me if I saw what the weather looked like. It was night, or so it appeared, and I stepped outside to look at the sky, and it was flashing with lightning like I had never seen before. At that moment, the phone went dead, and the lightning increased, and there were massive thunderclaps. I mean, they were so loud, one was not even done rumbling before the next one, and they were very loud. And I mean, so loud they were deafening. Something told me I needed to move to shelter quickly, but because I was in the middle of this parking lot of the apartment complex, the nearest place of cover was what appeared to be a carport or some sort of covered parking area. And with each flash of lightning, chunks of smoldering rock or hail began shooting down from the sky. When they would hit the ground, they would smolder, as if to demonstrate they were very hot. And I saw this a few times, like they had just slowed down enough for me to see what they were. And a few times I thought one would surely hit me, and I crouched down behind a car, but none of them ever hit me. It led up, and I decided to make a run for the building, and as I was going toward the stairs, I saw this camera crew. And the strange thing is, they were pointing the camera at me, as if to ask me what was going on. And when I began to point out what I saw, I was thinking to myself how obvious it was they mocked me. The man holding the camera seemed untrustworthy and had a smirk. And I recall grabbing their camera and hightailing it up the stairs into an apartment and locking the door behind me. I don't know what the significance was of grabbing that camera, maybe because I understand how fake the news is. I don't know. The strange thing is, in this dream, was that my brother was there, and he was asking me what was going on, and this is a brother that does not live anywhere near me. I was not sure at that moment. I was, we, were, I, we were both in perplexity, and... We paused for a moment and heard a TV coming from another room. And I remember not feeling fearful, but there was a weather map shown of all of Northern America. And there were red markings and circles all over it, showing events in multiple places. So much to the point the man on TV could not even get a composure about him. I mean, he seemed greatly panicked and could not explain what was taking place. But it wasn't confined to any one location. It was all over. And that was the end of the dream, and I woke up trying to make sense out of what I was being shown. Let me, uh, let me say something here. Yeah, sure. The weather is in God's control, not ours. That's one thing I think of. And I think, am I right when I say volcanoes affect weather? Because yes. Because of the ash clouds? Yes. There's, okay, been photographs. There's been photographs of that over the years. Okay. That's what that makes me think of. And the other thing that I think of is Nicole told me at one point, we were talking on the phone one day, and she said that um, Perry Stone had done a teaching. She said he was talking about the way believers might be taken up mm -hmm. and said something about lightning and how fast it could travel around the world. And that makes me think of that. I'm not saying it's what's happening or not, but it's interesting to consider that, especially since Yellowstone is here in America. And they don't even know what would happen if Yellowstone went off? But that's. It makes me wonder why I was on the phone with my cousin because of her homosexual lifestyle, as if I was trying to witness to her because she lives in yeah, Seattle and that's right next to Mount Rainier. She lives where? In Seattle or near Seattle. Oh, in Seattle. Oh, in the right Mount, there. Mount okay. Rainier is right there. And if that went off, that whole town would be buried or destroyed. Oh. And if, if yep. one volcano goes off, uh, doesn't that have something to do with the tectonic plates shifting? 
well, releasing the magma or something like that. I don't know very much about volcanoes. Well, you know, I'm not going to get into Demetri Dudeman's prophecy, but he said once the invasion occurs, um, there would be the volcanoes would start going off and they'd have to retreat. Like here? Yes. Cascadia. Oh, I didn't know he said. Oh, I didn't know he said like that. All, like literally, like literally all of uh, it's California, Oregon, and Washington. It's all along there. Of the, west, the up whole and down. west coast. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That shines a light on it. All righty then. Moving right along. Yeah. So, I mean, when you study Revelation 8, I have to wonder if that dream I was given is in regards to, you know, a coming event in the tribulation and what it will look like. And, you know, for reference, let's look at Revelation 8, verses 2 through 7. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Then another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and threw it to the earth. And there were noises, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. So, you know, after much reflection on that dream, all I can say is you don't want to be here for that. You don't want to be the one who is found living in unbelief because then, you know, you're here. And he's that gonna, is for sure. Yeah. And he's going to leave here if people here for the refining. And he's told me a few times now in spirit, he said, you know, those who don't want to abide in his ways and they don't call on him if they're refusing him, they're not going to like the methods he uses. No, that's going to get ugly. He told me that the tribulation period is specifically for refining and that how much refining you need determines how long you got to stay. And these are the horrors that are going to be going on in that time. And the Antichrist is going to be around. So I don't want no part of that. We do not want to be here for any of that. It also seems like that could be a dream of the coming persecution against us. But you were also shown that as things are happening, we will not be afraid while the wicked, like the newscaster, will panic, not having understanding and knowing they're not protected from any of it. The Lord is able to send storms full of lightning, just as one example, and man has no defense against that kind of thing. He can send massive earthquakes, and man has no defense against those either. He can cause volcanoes to go off and fire and brimstone to rain down, and man has no defense against that. The Lord has said that he is going to do something for what I call the warning shot judgment that only he can do to show he is God. A bunch of unbelievers will get saved then, and then the larger judgments will commence. If his people won't listen, it may be the only way to get their attention. For sure. You know, the other day there was a terrible winter storm in Virginia, and a bunch of people were stuck on the interstate overnight in it. There were, I think, five people who passed away. The news said severe winter warnings had been issued, so they didn't understand why people still got out in it. Now, of course, there were probably travelers who didn't know what the forecast was and all. And I prayed for those who would grieve the ones who had passed, but I could not help thinking about how the Lord is issuing so many warnings now, and that when the judgments happen, people who have not heeded the warnings will perish. And that's a shame, since he's warning us almost continually now. That's like all I'm getting are warnings. Uh, and I think it's all you're getting. A lot of people will perish in that warning shot judgment. He said a lot. But many will also get saved because of it. It's a shame he has to do that to get everyone's attention. But in the end, it is his mercy. Amen. And it's the same for any warning. 
You never know when it's going to be your last day. A severe weather event, such as a tornado or a winter storm, just illustrates what we're able to see. So what about understanding what you don't see, but you know it's coming, or you've been told it's coming? It's the same, except you're going to prepare spiritually and know where you stand when the storm hits. That's going to be the wind of change, folks. That wind of change came on 9-11. How many went to work that day, never knowing it would be their last? This is why you have to take the warnings given seriously. It's the Lord's mercy to present these to you. Heed the warnings. Normal is not returning. At least, not in the sense in which you've known it. Yes. The warnings need to be read, understood, and even meditated on. Definitely, we should pray about them and ask the Lord for instructions on what we personally should do. He told us a wind of change is going to sweep across America. And he gave us that word on January 2nd, 2018. Let me read you that one. A new wind will soon sweep across America. This is a great howling wind of change, but the changes it brings will not be good ones. This wind will sweep away the plenteousness from the land of America. It will sweep ease from this nation of sin. It will sweep most of the comforts away from you that you may know that I am God and I will be revered by all. Those of my people who walk closely with me shall be provided for in this time of need. But those who have continually rejected me will not have enough. The end is near, my children, and you are not ready. Seek my face for what I would have you to do in this time that I may prepare your heart for what is coming. And I made a note. I heard a strong, haunting wind in my spirit, and I saw a scene of emptiness and desolation. The wind reminded me of a strong north wind in winter. Only the scene I saw did not seem to be cold weather, but warm. It looked like the scenes I used to see in far west Texas, where the land stretches out so far you think it will never end, with nothing in sight but desert. I saw dust blowing and emptiness. No people, no animals, no vehicles in sight. Just a vast stretch of emptiness with dust blowing across a highway. I don't know what this scene means. In my spirit, I saw that dark, threatening storm cloud on the horizon again that reminded me of a tornadic storm, but this time I was shown it is not one storm, but three storms together. One storm is war. One storm is an unbelievable economic crash. The other storm is not yet fully revealed to me, but seems to be a plague or some kind of sickness that spreads rapidly. And by the way, that is not coronavirus, not what I saw. I see men in army-type uniforms in desert colors, sand and pale army green, standing around discussing things. I heard the words, stench of rotting bodies and not enough places to bury the dead. But I don't know what caused those deaths. I think the war comes first and caused so many deaths, we have no place to lay them all to rest. Then I see the economy problem. I see people in good homes with nothing to eat. They have no money to buy anything. They try to sell their possessions, but no one has anything to buy with. I see shysters going about trying to scam people, telling them they have food, but they don't. I see the end for these will be far worse. They get the sickness, as it is called. A plague or some type of illness that is very dreaded is spreading. People are locked in their houses out of fear. Those going about scamming others are some of the first to get it. It is very bad and kills quickly. It seems to have started in some kind of food or come from some type of food or that is the way to spread. In the spirit, I see it has been spread deliberately by an enemy. 
I wonder if this is some kind of bioweapon that has been unleashed or if it is the poisoning of meat I began seeing over 10 years ago, but I'm not shown so far. I see mothers going insane when their children die right before their eyes. I see men who have gone mad because they were wealthy before and now they have nothing. The people I see faring best in this are those who live close to the land. For lack of a better word, types who are used to having little and who know how to gather food and make their own medicine. In many, their violent natures take over at this point and robbing and killing becomes commonplace. Most cannot defend themselves, especially in their weakened condition. I see that those who have tremendous faith still have food to eat, but it is a closely guarded secret. Locked in their homes at night, everyone gathers around the table. As they praise God, food appears on the plates before them and they eat their fill. This becomes a problem as they begin to really stand out in their healthy bodies among the starving around them, and they are attacked for it, as everyone else thinks they have food in their house that they are hiding from others and lying about. You know, Glinda, while we were working on this, it came out that um, FEMA was doing a drill on how to respond to a nuclear attack on January the 6th. And it just so happens Dave Hodges uh, just did a podcast a few days ago. But in relation to your dream, Glinda, I got a message that I wonder if it's tied to the event you just spoke of just a moment ago. It's a little bit different, but similar in what the Lord is asking from his people. And I got this message in early May of 2021, and I posted it on my blog, and the title is, You Should Only Fear Me. My people need only have fear of me if they understand that I am the cornerstone between them and the Father in what comes. I will be a shield to those who reverence me and walk in my ways, but there must be no delay in choosing whom they serve. Do you serve me or the ideals and the idols of the world which cannot save you? Focus on me, my people. I will remove the veil of deception. Reflect on all the blessings I have given unto you. Think on all I have ordained in the world you live, and that I made the heavens and the earth. Think on my mighty power. Think on the sacrifices I made for you, that you may be forgiven, that I may teach you. All I desire is your calling on me, your time spent with me. I desire your whole heart. If you will call on me, I will answer. The situations you encounter may seem impossible, but if you know me, you will understand everything is possible that you thought not. Seek me and you will find my forgiveness, my protection, my provisions. Reverence me and you will be blessed, for I will be a light unto thy path. Do not wait, my people, for an event approaches that will present many inconveniences. Those who are walking with me shall endure, for I shall lead them. I will deliver them from betrayal. For if they shall believe how I led my people in times past, they shall know how I will deliver them now. I will rescue those who belong to me. What do you think he means about how he will deliver us now? I'm curious about that. Did he show you anything? He can hide people. He can remove people from certain situations. There's a lot of people being separated now. I believe that it's being done in, you know, different just different waves. It's coming for different people who are actually taking the messages seriously and calling on him. Good point. That is a really powerful word. It's as if he's just begging for us to spend time with him and rend our hearts to him. And if you remember that he can see what is ahead for you where you cannot, now is the time to get all the cards on the table with the Lord, to give him your heart, your mind, your time, everything before it's too late. 
You do not want to be one of the people I saw after Jesus comes back. More on that in a minute, a word called all is prepared. You know, this is one of the reasons I've talked at great lengths about all of this, so everyone can put together the pieces. And to ignore it's only going to make it worse. I understand it's not the most pleasant things to talk about, but it needs to be. There's going to be a lot of heartbreak for those caught unaware. I mean, there's still going to be sadness, but it's going to be far worse for those caught sleeping. No question about that. You know, the Lord even said on January 15, 2018, it would be a time of great mourning. I had been reading the word for a while when I felt a deep sadness rise up in my spirit, and I realized it was from the Lord. Lord, what is this sadness you are sharing with me? And he said, my people, a time of great mourning is coming for you soon, for great destruction looms in the distance just ahead. Man has devised war in his heart, and it shall be a great war indeed, as men fight for control of countries. This war shall start suddenly and without warning, and it shall come from a small country, but its impact shall be very great. It shall diminish food supplies and bring much suffering. Death will spread quickly and lives will be forever changed as a terrible sequence of events plays out as a result. There is nothing you can do or pray to stop this war, for it is the beginning of the end, and all scripture must be fulfilled. Pray that your faith be strong and strengthen it while there is yet time. Pray for those you love for mercy, for you shall see many peoples die in this time, and many you love may be among them. Pray for those you do not know, for salvation and for mercy, for you shall lay for yourselves a great harvest in doing so. Do not fear for what you shall eat or what you shall drink, for I am able to provide for you even where nothing remains, if your faith is strong. Be sure your faith is strong. Ask of me for great faith, and I shall give it you, that you may survive what is coming, if that is your desire. My children, prepare your hearts for mourning, for this will be a time of much grief. This will be a time of losing many dear to you. This will be a time of great change such as nothing the world has ever endured before. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That small country that you refer to, it makes me wonder if that's uh, either Taiwan or if it's uh, Ukraine. I could see Ukraine being the bait, and then uh, China, oh, maybe so. And then, chi- and then China makes their move on uh, Taiwan once we're caught up in something with Russia. And, you know, Glinda, you mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, in the very first message you read titled, This is Not a Drill, that the Lord said to be mindful to quickly repent of any sins and be ready at all times to be called home to me. I'd like to play a recording from a video you did back in 2012. And the name of this video, it's on YouTube for those um, who aren't aware of it. It's called The 1968 Prophecy of a 90-Year-Old Norwegian Woman. A lot has already happened. And I felt it was important to play this given the fact that uh we you know we're on that subject so let's take a listen hey youtubers glenda here want to share with y'all um a prophecy that i think i got this on email at some point i've talked about it on my blog talk program a couple of times it really uh resonated with my spirit and i think it's important this is a prophecy from 1968 from a 90 year old woman in norway that I'm sure is no longer alive. Um, What she said was unbelievable in her time. And a lot of it's already happened. 
So I think it's very important because so much of it has already taken place and couldn't have even been foreseen then in any other way that I think it's important to hear what she said. Um, the evangelist that the evangelist that supposedly put this out was named Emmanuel Minos, and he was having services where this lady lived, and she told him what he she had seen, and he wrote it down, but he thought it was so unbelievable, and it he even stopped her when she was saying it. He said that can never happen. We have laws against that. It, that that can never happen. But after 30 years, he came across it where he put it away. And he began sharing it because he realized that it was true prophecy. So this lady was from a place called Valdres. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. Said she was a very alert, reliable, awake, incredible Christian with a good reputation among all who knew her. And this is what she saw. And by the way, I don't have this email anymore, y'all, so I can't forward it. I know some of you are probably going to ask, but I don't have it. Um, it is recorded though on one of my blog talk programs and it's in the description you can tell which one it is okay i saw the time just before the coming of jesus and the outbreak of the third world war i saw the events with my natural eyes i saw the world like a kind of globe and i saw europe land by land i saw scandinavia and y'all at times i've seen the world in visions and that's what it looks like you see it looks like a globe that's usually how you're shown it um, I saw Norway. I saw certain things that would take place just before the return of Jesus and just before the last calamity happens, a calamity the likes of which we have never before experienced. She mentioned four waves. Number one, first, before Jesus comes and before the third world war breaks out, there will be a uh, detente like we have never had before. There will be peace between the superpowers in the East and the West and there will be a long peace. And this was, he made a note and he said, remember this was in 1968 when the Cold War was at its highest. In this period of peace, there will be disarmament in many countries, also in Norway, and we are not prepared when it, meaning the war, comes. The Third World War will begin in a way no one would have anticipated and from an unexpected place. Number two, a lukewarmness without parallel will take hold of the Christians. Sound familiar? A falling away from true living Christianity. Christians will not be open for penetrating preaching. They will not, like in earlier times, want to hear of sin and grace, law and gospel, repentance and restoration. There will come a substitute instead, prosperity or happiness Christianity. We're there, y'all. We are so there. The important thing will be to have success, to be something, to have material things, things that God never promised us in this way. Churches and prayer houses will be emptier and emptier. Instead of the preaching we've been used to for generations, like to take up your cross and follow Jesus, entertainment, art, and culture will invade the churches where there should have been gatherings for repentance and revival. This will increase markedly just before the return of Jesus. Third wave. There will be a moral disintegration that old Norway has never experienced the likes of. People will live together like married without being married. He made a note in parentheses and he said, I don't believe the concept cohabit cohabitation existed. 
1968. Much uncleanness before marriage and much infidelity in marriage will become the common or natural and it will be justified from every angle. It will either, even enter Christian circles and we pet it, even sin against nature. Just before Jesus returns, there will be just before, y'all get that? There will be TV programs like we have never experienced. Now TV, he said, had just arrived in Norway in 1968. TV will be filled with such horrible violence that it teaches people to murder and destroy each other and it will be unsafe in our streets. People will copy what they see. There will not be only one station on TV. It will be filled with stations. And he said in parentheses, he said she didn't know the word channel that we use now. So she called them stations. TV will be just like the radio where we have many stations and it will be filled with violence. People will use it for entertainment. We will see terrible scenes of murder and destruction. One of the other, and this will spread in society, sex scenes will also be shown on the screen. The most intimate things that take place in a marriage. And he said at this point, he protested, he said, we have laws that, that forbid that, that, you know, that like that could never happen. And he said there, she said, it will happen and you'll see it. All we have had before will be broken down and the most indecent things will pass before our eyes. Wave number four. People from poor countries will stream to Europe. And he said in 1968, there was no such thing as immigration. They will also come to Scandinavia and Norway. There will be so many of them that people will begin to dislike them and become hard with them. They will be treated like the Jews before the Second World War. Then the full measure of our sins will have been reached. And he said that he protested at the issue of immigration because he didn't understand at the time. The tears streamed through the old woman's eyes down her streets. I will not see it, but you will. And then suddenly... Jesus will come and the third world war breaks out. She said it will be a short war. All that I've seen of war before is only child's play compared to this one and it will be ended with a nuclear atom bomb. The air will be so polluted that one cannot draw one's breath. It will cover several continents, America, Japan, Australia, and the wealthy nations. The water will be ruined. We can no longer till the soil. The result will be that only a remnant will remain. The remnant in the wealthy countries will try to flee to the poor countries, but they will be as hard on us as we were on them. She said, I am so glad that I will not see it, but when the time draws near, you must take courage and tell this. I have received it from God, and nothing of it goes against what the Bible tells. It's pretty astonishing, I think. Uh, what she saw about television, about lukewarm Christianity. Think about that. She said, suddenly Jesus comes back and then, just as the Third World War breaks out, you know, a lot of people think that, world's, it, that war is going to break out first, you know, before anything else can happen. I don't think that we know all the details of what's coming in the end times, and the Lord has even spoken that. And he said, I didn't give you every, I didn't tell you everything that's going to happen. In the Word, there's going to be things that are going to happen that are going to confuse you. And I don't study eschatology because what I get from Him, I want to be pure. So I don't study that. I don't 
watch all the prophecy videos, read all the prophetic words. I used to years ago, and I stopped when he started speaking these things to me because I don't want any filter in place um, changing or, or polluting anything that I hear him speak. Pray for your lost loved ones. Pray for your cities. We don't know when this is going to happen, but I really do think that when it happens, it'll be very sudden. I'm not sure we'll be given much warning at all prior to, but it might not be very far away, y'all. We don't know. So anyway, I hope this has been a blessing to you. I hope that you'll pay attention to that word and other words that the Lord speaks. Um, if you have discernment, if you have the Holy Spirit, you can, your spirit will tell you what, when you're reading a word, whether it's true or it's not true, whether it's him or it's not him. So God bless you and thanks for watching. Now you'll note what all the elderly ladies said. And we talked about much of that today in this podcast. And folks, at the time Glinda did this video, it was mentioned that she no longer had the link or email to this prophetic message, but we were actually able to locate it and we will both link to that on our blogs. I'm gonna read you guys um, a blog I found and this was written by, uh, looks like a gentleman named Milan Adams on December 4th, 2021. And the title of this blog is, In One Hour, Everything is Going to Change. The prophet Isaiah warns us that in the last days, God is going to, quote unquote, turn the world upside down. And it begins. The prophet Isaiah warns us that in the last days, God is going to turn the world upside down. He declares, Behold, the Lord maketh the earth empty, and maketh it waste, and turneth it upside down. And that's according to Isaiah 24, verse 1. According to this prophecy, sudden judgment is coming upon the earth, and it will change everything in a single hour. Within that short span, the whole world will witness falling destruction upon a city and a nation, and the world will never be the same. If you're attached to material things, if you love this world and the things of it, you won't want to hear what Isaiah has prophesied. In fact, even to the most righteous of God's people, what Isaiah says might seem unthinkable. Many would surely ask, how can an entire world be stricken in one hour? If we didn't believe the Bible is God's pure word, few of us would take Isaiah's prophecy seriously. But scripture makes it clear. In a single hour, the world is going to change. The church is going to change. And every individual on earth is going to change. The Apostle John gives a similar warning in Revelation. He speaks of destructive judgment coming upon a city and a nation. Quote, In one day, death and mourning and famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judgeth her. For in one hour so great riches is come to naught. And that's according to Revelation 18, verse 8, and then verse 17. In Isaiah's prophecy, the city under judgment is cast into confusion. Every house is shut up with no one coming or going. Quote, the city of confusion is broken down. Every house is shut up that no man may come in. And that's according to Isaiah 24, verse 10. The entire city is left desolate, and the city is left desolation, and the gate is smitten with destruction. And that's according to Isaiah 24, verse 12. All entrances and exits to the city are gone. The passage indicates that a fire has come, a blast that has shaken the very foundations of earth. See Isaiah 24, verse 6. Those who live in New York City know something about this kind of scene. 
When the Twin Towers were attacked, the ominous fires and smoke could be seen ascending to heaven for miles. Recently, New Yorkers panicked as a mass of steam erupted from below a city street. People ran in all directions screaming, Is this it? Is this the end-all attack? Today, multitudes of secular prophets are saying a nuclear attack is inevitable. The target they mention most often is New York, but it could happen in any major city, be it London, Paris, Tel Aviv, or Washington. Neither Isaiah nor John names the city upon which destructive judgment falls. Let me make this clear at this point. I don't intend this message to frighten anyone. Paul tells us that as disciples of Jesus Christ, we have already passed from death into life. We who call on Jesus as Lord should be confident that no matter what happens in this world, his shed blood saves us and redeems us. Therefore, we are not to fear any newscast, but rather to be attentive to what the Lord is doing in the world. Like many people, I hear grievous reports that make me want to turn everything off and tune everything out. But the truth is, God moves in the midst of such times, and through them, he speaks warnings to all who would hear his voice. Isaiah's prophecy points clearly to our generation. I believe, along with many eminent Bible scholars, that Isaiah's prophecy points to the last days. By that, I mean our present time. In short, sudden judgment is coming, and scripture strongly indicates it is now at the door. At this point, you may be wondering, how can we be sure we're the generation this prophecy points to? We can know by two reasons that such judgments are imminent. Number one, a growing number of prophets warn of an apocalyptic disaster at the door. When I use the word prophets, quote-unquote, I speak not just of those in the church. I'm talking also about secular prophets, quote-unquote. There are several precedents for secular prophets in Scripture. God used Assyria as his rod of correction with Israel, and he appointed King Cyrus as his servant to assist Israel. The Lord saith of Cyrus, he is my shepherd and shall perform all my pleasure. That's according to Isaiah 44, verse 28. Likewise, today, God uses secular prophets to send warnings. These become his prophets for a season, and their prophecies can be harder than those delivered by believers. The message I'm writing here is mild compared to the prophecies being delivered by all manner of secular voices. Just check your newspaper or radio reports. And, you know, I just want to insert something here, guys. You know, even though it's not on the news or on the radio, everyone's just either talking about, you know, the nonsense going on in Washington, D.C., or they're talking about Omicron, whatever they're talking about. These things are going on, and they can be found by just simply searching online. You know, and that's just, a, that's just separately from what um, I get and what others are getting who walk closely with the Lord. You know, we, we're getting stuff given to us, and we have been for months, and there's many you know, online that have gotten that, and they're confirming what we're getting. To quote scripture, Amos chapter 3, verse 7, Surely the Lord God will do nothing, but he revealeth his secret unto his servants, the prophets. Point number two, sudden destruction comes when the cup of violence overflows. Sensuality, perversion, and greed are running rampant throughout our society. Yet, when God sent the flood upon the earth, it was because of a worldwide eruption of violence. To quote Genesis 6 verse 11, the earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. Right now, 
there are numerous wars and bloody uprisings taking place around the globe. Yet foremost in my mind is the violence being waged against children worldwide. And he goes on to make points here. I think of the sexual violence of pedophiles. Children all over the world are being raped, kidnapped, and forced into enslavement in the global sex trade. Recently, a pedophile in the United States was discovered running a website that advises other pedophiles on the easiest places to pick up children. There is no law in place to stop this man. The world's largest church denomination has spent hundreds of millions of dollars to settle the claims of those who were molested in childhood by clergy. Tell me how long will God endure the pitiful cries of children who are molested by those who would represent Christ? Remember what I said in that last podcast about him seeing things. Moving on to point number two. Thousands of children in Africa are being slaughtered in tribal wars, hacked to death by machetes. Young boys, even those under 10 years of age, are enlisted into tribal militias and forced to murder men in initiation rites. Point number three. Here in the United States, the blood of millions of aborted babies cry out from the ground. Point number four. Reports of school murders no longer shock many of us but continue to terrorize our children. We may grow hardened to such reports, but God's heart is grieved by them. And I can tell you, he is grieved by them and he is very angry about it because in my last podcast, folks, I had told you about that. I told you that he sees what is going on. People think that God does not see them, but he does see it. You know, I digress moving on in this blog. I tell you, there is no worse violence than the brutalization of children. Heaven is crying out, woe, woe. Your judgments have no cure. In one hour, God is going to change the whole world. A sudden cataclysmic event will strike, the first of the final judgments of God. This great event will cause the earth to reel. And Isaiah says that when it hits, there will be no place to escape. The lofty city, he layeth it low, even to the ground, he bringeth it even to the dust. And that's according to Isaiah 26, verse 5. The inhabitants of the earth are burned. And that's according to Isaiah 24, verse 6. Once this happens, utter chaos will erupt. All civic activities will stop, and society will descend into massive disorder. Government agencies will be helpless to restore any kind of sanity. No state troopers, no National Guard, no army will be able to bring order to the upheaval. You well remember that when the Twin Towers were destroyed, help poured into New York from all over the world. An army of people came to assist in whatever way they could, but the scene in Isaiah's prophecy is different. This calamity is clearly beyond humankind's capacity to respond. Once this judgment strikes, it will devastate the economy. Rich merchants will stand by watching in torment, weeping and mourning as they face bankruptcy. In an instant, all the wealth they amassed will be reduced to nothing. John describes the scene, the merchants of these things, which were made rich by her, shall stand far off from the fear of her torment, weeping and wailing, saying, Alas, alas, that great city, for in one hour so great riches has come to naught. And that's according to Revelation 18, verses 15 through 17. Overnight, all buying and selling will cease. Every restaurant and bar will be shut down and all drinking and music will end. Indeed, every trace of mirth and delight, joy and gladness will vanish. Quote, All the merry-hearted do sigh. The mirth of Tabarez ceaseth. 
The noise of them that rejoice endeth. The joy of the harp ceaseth. They shall not drink wine with a song. The mirth of the land is gone. And that is according to Isaiah chapter 24, verses 7 through 9, and then verse 11. Yes, this is a picture of doom and gloom, but it is not my prophecy. This word was given by the Holy Spirit of Almighty God to be delivered by his righteous prophet Isaiah. Even the secular world is preparing for it to happen. Billions are being spent on homeland security in the United States, England, Europe, and Israel. But why? Military experts warn that a world-impacting terrorist attack is sure to come. You may ask, why would the whole world change if a nuclear attack occurs in just one city? It will happen because of the fear of retaliation. If a rogue nation sends such an attack, you can be sure that within hours that nation will be wiped out. Consider the plan Israel has in place, known as Samson Option. The moment a nuclear warhead is launched against them, within moments Israel will unleash nuclear missiles to devastate the capital cities of all enemy states. The world has become a ticking time bomb, and time is quickly running out. In one hour, God is going to change the church. This hour of devastation will suddenly change churches, whether they are alive or dead. Isaiah writes, There shall be shaking as of an olive tree. And that's according to Isaiah 24, verse 13. The image of God shaking an olive tree after it has been picked of fruit. In short, he's going to shake everything that can be shaken, sparing nothing. It will be a time of cataclysmic destruction and overwhelming darkness. So, you ask, what about God's people in the midst of all this? What will happen to the church? Isaiah gives us an incredible word about what will happen with believers. In the midst of the terrible shaking, a song will be heard, and its sound will grow steadily stronger. Suddenly, in that darkest of hours, a worldwide chorus of voices will sing praises to the majesty of God. They shall lift up their voice, they shall sing for the majesty of the Lord, they shall cry aloud from the sea. So, do you get the picture? There will be panic everywhere. Men's hearts will fail them for fear as fires belch smoke seen for hundreds of miles. Disorder and chaos will reign on all sides, yet amid the devastating fires and calamity, the world will hear a glorious song being sung. Glorify ye the Lord in the fires, even the name of the Lord God of Israel. From the uttermost part of the earth we have heard songs, even glory to the righteous one. And that's in Isaiah 24, verses 15 through 16. A holy remnant is going to awaken, and a song will be born in the fire. Instead of panicking, the people of God will be praising his awesome majesty. Imagine it. In the darkest hour of all time, a collective voice will rise by the millions out of every nation, not in fear or agony, but in joyful praise to the Lord. How will this happen, you ask? In one hour, God is going to regenerate and restore his church. Dry bones will shake and rattle, and the righteous will be awakened as the Holy Spirit calls multitudes of lukewarm believers back to their first love. In his mercy, he's going to rouse those who have neglected him, ignored his word, avoiding prayer, perhaps even contemplating a divorce. And when it says contemplating divorce, it does not mean from a man or a woman uh, in a marriage. The way it's written here, that speaks to me. It's a divorce from God. People had divorced him. They fell away. Moving on. Suddenly their souls will be flooded with pangs of remorse and godly sorrow, and many will fall on their knees crying out in repentance. 
there will be a revival of glorifying God's majesty, and the song of this revival will be heard from the uttermost parts of the earth, east, west, north, and south, from Arab lands to China, Indonesia, Africa, and all parts of the earth. A glorious song will rise up from the midst of the fires. In one day's time, those who survive the fires are going to be singing a new song throughout the world. Isaiah chapter 25 tells us wonderful miracles will come in this time as God makes all things new. All around the world, the Lord's people are going to feast on his word. In this mountain shall the Lord of hosts make unto all people a feast of fat things, a feast of wines on the lees, of fat things full of marrow, of wines on the lees well refined. That's according to Isaiah 25 verse 6. And he will destroy in this mountain the face of the covering cast over all people and the veil that is spread over all nations. And that's according to Isaiah 25 verse 7. Right now, in this time of prosperity, the world's masses seem to be covered with a veil, unable to see the truth of Jesus Christ. But when God rises up to shake the world through judgment, the shrouds covering the minds of billions will be cast aside. The veil of darkness will be removed, and many will see the Lord in his glory. The Holy Spirit won't force Christ upon these opened eyes and hearts. Rather, a remnant is going to rise up from among them. I believe the darkest shroud coverings today are over the eyes and hearts of youth worldwide. This is especially true of college-age students whose faith has been bombarded for up to four years. Over that time, their minds have been indoctrinated by godless professors in classrooms where belief is attacked, mocked, and scorned. Now these young men and women's faith has been shipwrecked. They leave college convinced God is dead. But in one hour of devastation, nuclear, economic, and social, all such hypocritical veils are going to fall away. Remember what I just got done doing a podcast on with the hypocrisy and the mockers. Those same professors who mock them will realize as they face the possibility of death, a choice must be made. What about eternity? Is there life after death? They're going to look for someone to explain to them all that's happening. When the song is sung, it's going to be heard by young people from every walk of life, every nation under the sun. Many will harden their hearts and curse God at the sound of this song, but multitudes of others will join in singing of his majesty. In one hour, God is going to change us as individuals. In a single hour, the focus of our lives will be changed. We'll no longer obsess about our own adversities and troubles. Suddenly, so many things that we held dear will no longer be of any value to us. Why? Because in that hour, everyone will be in the same boat. Quoting Isaiah 24, verse 2, It shall be as with the people, so with the priest, as with the servant, so with his master, as with the maid, so with her mistress, as with the buyer, so with the seller, as with the lender, so with the borrower, as with the taker of usury, so with the giver of usury to him. The sudden judgment that comes will not be a respecter of anyone. Rather, it is going to touch all who are within the realm of its fury. Presidents, Kings, the world's richest and most famous, all will tremble just like the poorest of the earth. And this cataclysmic event will bring to naught every idol, purging iniquity and tearing down all false altars. To quote Isaiah 27 verse 9, By this the calamity therefore shall the iniquity of Jacob be purged, 
and this is all the fruit to take away his sin, when he maketh all the stones of the altar as chalk stones that are beaten in sunder, the groves and images shall not stand up. The world's most prominent idol is money, and right now America is facing a monstrous financial disaster. Inventors are scrambling to move their money out of high-risk funds and mortgage companies are going bankrupt. One recent financial headline read, Abandoned ship, everyone is selling and nobody is buying. Many households are in a panic as overnight their lives are changing. I think of the president of a multi-billion dollar hedge fund who recently put up for sale his 142-foot yacht in his 16-bedroom mansion in Aspen, Colorado. His fund has dried up virtually overnight. The day is coming when sports will be the last thing on people's minds. I have nothing against sports, but soon there will be no more $250 million deals for athletes when so much of the world is starving. All idols will come crashing down, crushed to dust, and the playing field will be leveled. The richest and the poorest alike will face the same conditions. It will all happen within a day. To quote 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 3, When they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. Now, why such apocalyptic warnings? You may wonder, what good can come of these prophetic messages? Why should anyone have to live under such anxiety? I remind you, Jesus warned Jerusalem of sudden devastation to come upon that city. It was going to be burned to the ground with over a million people murdered. Christ explained his warning. I have told you before it come to pass that when it come to pass, ye might believe. And that's uh, quoted in John chapter 14, verse 29. He was saying, in essence, when it happens, You'll know there is a God who loves you and forewarned you. And that's what I told you before, that you will remember these things, those of you who it's meant for. Paul calls such warnings light, insights that expel darkness. He says, in short, you are children of light because you know what's coming in the future. So when destruction comes and there's panic all around, you will have the calm of the Holy Spirit. Something will quicken inside you and you'll remember, God warned me. This prophecy isn't a message of wrath to God's people, but a wake-up call to begin preparing. God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. And that's reference to 1 Thessalonians 5 verses 9 through 10. Paul is speaking here of a time of possible destruction. Therefore, he says, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as ye also do. In this day of prosperity, nobody wants to hear a message like Isaiah's. I certainly don't want to hear it, but we cannot ignore it because it is here at our door. In such times, Paul says, when we have knowledge that sudden destruction is coming, we are not to tremble or sorrow as the world does. Instead, we are to comfort one another in faith, knowing that God rules over every aspect of our lives. Be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Paul instructs, arm yourself with faith. Build up your belief now before the day comes. Learn your song and you'll be able to sing it in your fire. Glorify ye the Lord in the fires, even the name of the Lord God of Israel. That's according to Isaiah 24 verse 15. This is the hope of our most holy faith. Our Lord causes a song to come out of the darkest of times. Start now to build up your holy faith in him and learn to praise his majesty quietly in your heart. When you sing your song, it will strengthen and encourage your brothers and sisters, and it will testify to the world 
Our Lord reigns over the flood. Wow, that is so powerful. The world being turned upside down makes me think of the pole shift everybody's talked about from time to time. I remember the Lord saying at some point, everything is going to change in one day. And y'all, we don't know what day. We don't know if it's tomorrow, next Monday. We don't know what day it's going to all change. He said there will be no warning. Yes, and it's very appropriate for this message, very timely as a closing to part one, something everyone should be thinking about. Okay, I want to share something with y'all. The Lord has never, ever, ever given me a word right before I was about to record a podcast like he did today. Never. That alone tells me this is something extremely important. I was getting ready to record, and I had just hooked up my microphone to record this podcast, and I was about to call Ray when I suddenly got hit with really strong grief from the Lord, and I felt he wanted to tell me something really important. So I put calling aside, took off my headphones, and he began to speak this message with great urgency, and he asked me to tell you, my daughter, tell my people the time is up for this nation. Tell them to come before me and weep and wail for their lost loved ones, that I may save them quickly before the destruction falls on them and their souls are remanded to darkness and torment for all eternity. Tell them, I cannot put off these judgments any longer. They have had ample time to repent, yet most go on their way joyfully, never giving me or their eternal destination another thought. On that night, there will be no second chance. It is not my will that any should perish, but my word makes clear what man must do in order to be saved. Tell them now, time is up for America. I will hold back my judgments no longer, for she leads all the world astray. And on that note, that's all we have for you this week. I hope this podcast has given you a lot to think about and been a blessing to you. We'll be back next week with part two, so stay tuned for even more End Times Revelation in part two of what the Lord has shown us about the end times. Ray, thank you so much for making time to share your knowledge and revelation with the listeners today. Do you want to tell the listeners where they can find your blog and how to contact you? Sure. Well, listeners may find my blog at www.innocenceredeemed.blog, and there's a contact form under the About section, and they can also find my podcast on various platforms under Innocence Redeemed, which I also have linked up on my blog under the podcast tab. And Glinda, thank you so much for having me on. It's been an honor to be here today with you. It's always great to have you on the show. You know, we put this podcast together over the past several weeks because we want y'all to see, number one, the seriousness of what is coming, and number two, how suddenly it's all going to change. The Bible is saying this, y'all, not us. We all know the scriptures don't lie. We are sharing with you what the Lord has shown us, and that uh, clip that Ray read, in one day, one day, y'all, and it's going to be one day. Every morning we wake up, we don't know if it's going to be that day. Tell all the people you love, you love them. Thanks for listening. Jesus bless you. Y'all have a great week. Thank you so much for tuning in today to Just Praise Him Radio. You can contact me by mail at my new address, JPH Inc., Glenda Lomax, P.O. Box 60, Glencoe, Arkansas, 
7-2-5-3-9 or by email at jphtoday at gmail.com JPH is not affiliated with any nonprofit organization, church, or denomination. Have you heard? The 2016 and 2017 messages have been published in book form. Even those who do not profess a belief in God can see something is amiss in the world around us. What is coming for our world in these last days? What does the Lord want us doing while we're waiting for His glorious reappearance? Time of Reckoning and Soon It Will Be Night each contain approximately 200 prophetic messages and visions from the throne room of God telling what is coming to America and the world in these end times. The Lord has always warned nations when they were headed for destruction. He has always warned His own people. Are we also being warned? Get your copy of Time of Reckoning and Soon It Will Be Night, available now on Amazon.com. What is in store for the once great and mighty nation of America in these end times? What is the living God saying to the people of America now? What could possibly be in store for a nation that once trusted in God, but has changed its path from following in the living God's ways to now removing Him from everything and walking the other way? In the book, No Longer Mind, you will find all the messages to America collected in one place in chronological order. No Longer Mind, Messages to an Unrepentant Nation is now available in print at wingsofprophecy.com in the bookstore tab. Get your copy of No Longer Mind today. If you ask anyone you know what the most difficult experience of their life has been, many will answer about a time of betrayal. All those called to walk the narrow path will, at some point, encounter Judas. How will you respond? Do you know how to recognize Judas when he shows up in your life? Can you keep Judas from bringing destruction to your life and ministry? How can you minimize what Judas cost you? Can you pass the test of absolute betrayal? Get your copy of The Judas Test, available in print and new audiobook. The Judas Test by Glenda Lomax, available now on Amazon.com. Sold out for 30 pieces of silver? In Exodus 21:32, it is the price of a dead slave. In Leviticus 27, 2-7, it is the price of a live one. Jesus was sold for the price of a bondservant. Precious Jesus, the Son of God the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings? Why did Judas sell his friend out so cheap?